Peptides are becoming the hot topic right now, so I've created a series about them. Today we will discuss peptides and how they can be used for longevity and anti-aging. And that's all next on the Regenerative Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Before we begin, have you ever considered publishing a book? Most medical professionals have really no idea how powerful a book can be to build their brand. It's a great way to show your expertise, to build your practice with clients that actually can afford your care, and finally, really make the money that you deserve. If you'd like to see how publishing a book can help you, simply go to drrosscarter.com and set up a consultation with me for free. Back to the show. Hi, I'm Dr. Ross Carter with the Regenerative Warrior Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about peptides, all about peptides. The peptides that you would recommend in the anti-aging would be what, specifically? Yeah, so I think the best way to have the anti-aging conversation is to look at the hallmarks of aging. Usually, most people say that there are eight or nine of those And there are some areas where peptides are really, really strong, particularly mitochondrial function. You know, that's one of the big areas. And in mitochondrial function, there are two peptides that that I would say have a lot of promise. The SS31, which I just mentioned for anti-aging and inflammation, but also the MOTSC or the MOTSC. Both of those help with increasing mitochondrial function, whether that be through increasing mitochondrial biogenesis uh, in the case of the MOTSC or increasing the function of ATP production in the mitochondria, which would be more like the SS31. And so those two products help make sure your mitochondria are functioning appropriately to give your body the maximum energy and make sure that uh, the mitochondria are doing their job within all cells of the body. So basically, what, what we're talking about now is mitochondrial function of a cell. Now, the energy is created by the mitochondria. It's basically the battery pack or the energy production of a cell, and that's what keeps it alive. As we get older, typically, a lot of problems can happen with the mitochondria causing cell dysfunction and a loss of energy. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it even goes beyond that. With things that people know on a normal basis, a lot of people talk about antioxidants, for instance. Yeah. Antioxidants are important to reduce cancer risk or to help detoxify the body. And so one of the biggest things that the mitochondria do are also limit these reactive oxygen species, which antioxidants can help purge. And so if your mitochondria aren't functioning correctly, you can definitely increase those reactive oxygen species and you can increase the need for, for some of those antioxidants. Are those two peptides you mentioned, the SS31 and the MOTSC, you said C, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that are really helpful with the mitochondria and it helps absolutely basically the antioxidant portion as well as production of energy. Is, is that what it does? Yeah, absolutely. And so what it does is whenever your mitochondria are able to function appropriately, it means that your cells are able to function appropriately because they have the energy necessary to carry out the function for which they were intended to have. So one of the biggest things you know, I always go back to is every cell in your body 
has the exact same DNA. But what makes your eye cells any different from their hair cells? It's what genes are turned on and off and how that functions. Aging is actually characterized as the progressive loss of function. And so by encouraging the mitochondria to do their job, you can encourage the cell to do their job. And that is important for aging. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about the basics of a peptide and how this peptide actually goes in and affects the mitochondria specifically. What happens when this peptide goes into your body and how does it affect the function as well as the mitochondrial function of the cell specifically. So let's talk about the basics of a peptide, please. Yeah, so peptides are very, very similar to your body's natural signaling molecules. DNA goes to RNA, and then RNA goes to peptides and proteins. And that's so what we're basically doing with these exogenous you know, drugs is we're trying to mimic the body's natural signaling. That's really all we're doing. And the peptides are very good at that because they're made up of the same components your body would use to signal itself. And so it's a very, very natural, uh, more natural process than a lot of these small molecule drugs. And that's part of their benefit. The MOTSC is a product actually produced in your body already. It's produced from the mitochondrial genome. So one of the things that a lot of people might not know is that your body actually has two genomes. So one is found in mitochondria. The other one is found in all of your different cells. And so the mitochondria DNA is passed down from your maternal side. It's something they can trace back your mom's 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 mom go forever back. And it's a way to sort of measure lineage on the maternal side. But beyond that, it's expressed differently in your body. And so whenever your body senses that it has high ROS, right, reactive oxygen species or metabolic damage, one of the things that it does is it upregulates this production of this peptide called MOTSC. What that does is it causes a lot of downstream effects to increase mitochondrial biogenesis. This means that it basically gives a signal to your mitochondria to replicate and to produce more, right? Or to go harder. And that's in order to do things like decrease reactive oxygen species in the case of metabolic stress, like diabetes, for instance. And so what we're doing with the MOTSC is mimicking that body's natural sensing to encourage your body to produce mitochondria and to have the mitochondrial function. And it does that through a variety of processes that are fairly common for a bunch of drugs. This, this, what this one does is it reduces developed purine synthesis, which increases ACAR, which increases AMP kinase and PGC1-alpha, which leads to, again, just better mitochondrial function. It's important to know because, like I said, this is a natural body mechanism that we want to affect in a positive way. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, your mitochondria are functioning at a higher level, and that's the end result. The SF31 does the same thing, but in a different fashion. This is one that is not produced in your body, but was created from a team of researchers at Cornell. What they found is that as we age, the mitochondria start to become a little bit less functional. And one of the reasons is because of some structural things that happen with the mitochondria. As we age, the mitochondria has a membrane in the middle, which is essentially very curvy. And as we start to age, that membrane starts to become more flat. And what happens is as it becomes more flat, the things that were found in the curves get further away from each other. So they go from essentially like this to out, and then the distance between those things are now a lot different. And that can actually hurt the efficiency of the mitochondria. And so what this peptide does is it takes that loose membrane and essentially makes it curved again, which means that all the things that you need to perform the function are now closer together and then as a result, much more efficient. And so you can increase cellular energy. And, and this means that you can do a lot of things that help with aging. You can increase your lean muscle mass from a skeletal perspective. One of the biggest things I like to say is that in one study, they found that a single dose of this peptide could actually be the metabolic equivalent of 30 days of endurance training. Is that how long this peptide lasts for one treatment? 
Yeah, so it actually has a very, very short half-life, but it's corrected, essentially. And now that's the really exciting part is that even one treatment can have some really encouraging and long-lasting effects. And this is one that right now is in phase three clinical trials and is very, very exciting for a lot of metabolic diseases and mitochondrial diseases, but also just, like I said, aging, because it prevents this degradation of function as we get older. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, Learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area. We're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. That's exciting. So one procedure can make a difference for 30 days or so. Is it So is it kind of a concept of doing this on a monthly basis? You know, most of the strategies right now still suggest daily dosing. But with that being said, the treatment protocols for aging are still a little bit, I would say, up in the air and being developed. And so I think that what will end up happening as we find out more about this product is that, you know, it'll be done on a semi-annual basis for a certain period of treatment, and that that will help delay the deterioration of any mitochondria. Wow, that's phenomenal. So how do you take this peptide? This is, at the moment, just done as a subcutaneous injection, which speaks largely to a lot of the peptides, where that is really how most of them are done right now. While there are definitely some developments with oral and nasal products and sublingual products, right now, the pharmacokinetics are most reliable as a subcutaneous injection, and therefore, that's how they're recommended. So basically, you take a tiny insulin syringe and put it in maybe your belly or something, and you don't really feel anything, right? Absolutely. You know, most people uh, get a little bit scared about the idea of a needle, but once they see these insulin syringes and do it once, most of their fears are, are quickly overcome because it's pretty much imperceptible. Yeah, you're right. Some people, they say, oh, I don't want to inject myself daily, but you see what this is, you'll be like, oh, this is nothing. Are there any side effects that people should be aware of if they take this type of peptide? Yeah. So one of the big things I like to talk about peptides, is it's a class of drug. Each peptide should be considered a standalone treatment, meaning that each product can have their own side effect profiles, and risk-benefit ratio. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, it's so important to go to a physician or a healthcare practitioner who has some experience with this is because it is entirely dependent on each product. And, you know, some of them are going to have essentially no side effects, while others might have very common side effects. And so with these two particular ones, there have not been almost any documented besides some injection site redness and the occasional allergic reaction. And how does a person recognize that something is actually happening? Because like when I take a supplement, I get a supplement, I'll take it for 30 days. Most of the time I go, I have no idea if that did anything. So is there a noticeable change? Absolutely. You know, for most of these things, definitely. And it doesn't take long to notice with a lot of these peptides. You know, for the mitochondrial peptides, number one thing people traditionally say are that they'll have better markers of metabolic markers. So things like blood sugar levels, things like insulin sensitivity. But beyond that, you also get sort of a subjective, I would say, energy enhancement benefit with both those mitochondrial peptides, which is pretty easy to tell. But again, again, all the peptides are different. Some take long courses, others take one injection to tell a difference. Things like the premelanocyte PT-141 you talked about, obviously, only requires one dose to have a really good result. So in essence, when somebody starts taking one of these peptides, the ones we're referring to now, the SS-31 and the MOTSC, 
both of these will enhance the energy of your body. And basically, you'll just notice a change of you'll have more daily energy, less tired throughout the day. Or does it help with sleep or does it cause any problems with sleep? Because caffeine can give you energy, but it also screws up your sleep. So does it affect your sleep? Absolutely. It doesn't really have any effect on sleep. The way the mechanism by which it's working is just, again, allowing your body to function in a more appropriate way. And so some of the other things that I mentioned with the SS31 that's been documented are, you know, reduction of inflammatory markers, quicker repair and recovery, things like, like I said, increased skeletal muscle or endurance training exercise benefit. And so, um, you know, again, the profile is different for every single one, but all of those, the MOTSD is one that still given to athletes in order to encourage performance and SS31, it would be have a similar benefit as well. And so, again, all of these can definitely tell some benefits, but it's peptide specific, certainly. Is there any challenge with using these type of peptides or somewhat consider a drug? Is it like doping? Is it, would it be illegal in sports? Yeah, there's definitely several of these products which are illegal in sports. A lot of the repair and recovery products that we traditionally use, things like BPC-157, the thymus and beta-4, or even some of those growth hormone secretagogues, which also have an anti-aging, I would say, narrative to them. They're all banned. The SS31 and the MOTSD are not currently banned just because they're so new and they're not really regulated by the Anti-Doping Association. Now, you said there's some clinical studies going on right now? Yeah, the- absolutely. Both of those are under clinical studies. And for a variety of indication, the majority of these are going to treatments of certain disease categories and not things that are classified as anti-aging. But the application for all these things, is particularly mitochondrial peptides, can affect just about every disease state because, again, it helps encourage optimal function. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.